Welcome back again to the seven minutes of AP World History, the second half of your spring semester finals review. Here we go. So we got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about. I know you don't have a lot of time to talk about because you got to study. So here we go. So let's start off, first of all, with decolonization. So we ended with the Cold War, and that's really important because the Cold War folds into decolonization. And the reason why is that both major sides, the United States and the Soviet Union, fought for major blocks in the world in which they tried to get countries to ally with them. Well, a lot of the countries in what we call the developing world were attempting to get their own independence at the time. And they were trying to do so in a variety of different ways. So remember, they're trying to get their independence from that old form of imperialism from the late 1800s. Now, some of the ways they tried to do this were violent, others were done for diplomacy, and then others were done through nonviolent moves. And the best example of that really is Gandhi's nonviolent movement, which was called Satyagraha. Why was it called Satyagraha? Satyagraha was a spiritual idea coming out of Hinduism. And Gandhi hoped that he could lead a non-violent movement to eventually gain independence for India as a whole. Now, he succeeded in doing so, but at the very end of that movement, there was a big problem between the majority of Hindus and the minority of Muslims. Now, the minority of Muslims was led by a man named Muhammad Ali Jinnah. And their big fear was that once the British were gone, the majority of Hindus would dominate at that time. There's some good evidence that the British actually stoked that fear between Hindus and Muslims. But in the end, Muhammad Ali Jinnah was able to gain the creation of a country called Pakistan, still around today, up in the northern part of what used to be India. Now, eventually, Pakistan itself is going to break down into West Pakistan and East Pakistan. East Pakistan becomes Bangladesh today. So that was the case of India. Now, in that case, we had a nonviolent movement. In other parts of the world, we would have a more violent movement. A good example of that took place within the Middle East. So you might remember that with the mandate system, after the Ottoman Empire fell, the British and the French split up the Middle East. Now, in the midst of that, what the British promised on both sides was that there would be independence for both sides, both Jewish people and Muslims. In the end, what they ended up doing was really uh, pitting the two groups against each other because what was more important to the British and to the French were the oil within that particular area. Now, in 1948, the Jewish people declared a war for independence. Five Arab countries then attacked the Jewish nation. And that led into a lot of the conflicts that we're still seeing today between the Jewish people and what today are called the Palestinians. Now, in other parts of the world, we're going to see other types of violent movements as well. For example, within Rwanda, uh, the Belgians had taken over Rwanda and they had established a group of people there to sort of do that independent management the people in the area, and they were called the Tutsis. The Tutsis were a creation of the Belgians, and the Belgians did it off of social Darwinism. They saw Tutsis as looking more like Europeans, and so they put them in charge over the Hutus and allowed them to be violent towards the Hutus. Now, 40, 50 years later in the 1990s, once Rwanda gained its independence, the Hutus would take the revenge and create a genocide over the Tutsis uh, during that time period in the 1990s. 
Another good example that we can see of decolonization happened in South Africa. In South Africa, the Belgians had come down to South Africa in the 1800s and they'd colonized the area. And the group of the Belgians who came down into that area were Christians who believed they had found what they called the New Jerusalem. And in that area, they ended up having a war, a group of wars called the Boer Wars, uh, between themselves and the British over gold. Stuck in the middle of that, though, were the indigenous inhabitants of the area called the Zulu tribes. Now, in the end, the British won that war, but they barely won. And so they made an agreement with the Belgians. They said, hey, look, we get the gold, but you guys get to have a racial hierarchy and you can do whatever you want in this whole area, which is exactly what they did. After World War II, they established a system of apartheid, which was intense segregation and utilization or manipulation of the local colored population. And the reason why I use that term is because not only were black South Africans used, but they also used people of color from India and from Southeast Asia as well for menial types of jobs. And that established apartheid for 50 years. Now, of course, the hero in that story was Nelson Mandela. Uh, Nelson Mandela started a nonviolent movement. He eventually turned to guerrilla warfare and he was imprisoned for that. In the 1980s, he was freed from prison after spending 27 years in prison. And he became president of South Africa and led them into their independence. So let's start off, first of all, with decolonization. So we ended with the Cold War, and that's really important because the Cold War folds into decolonization. And the reason why is that both major sides, the United States and the Soviet Union, fought for major blocks in the world in which they tried to get countries to ally with them. Well, a lot of the countries in what we call the developing world were attempting to get their own independence at the time. And they were trying to do so in a variety of different ways. So remember, they're trying to get their independence from that old form of imperialism from the late 1800s. Now, some of the ways they tried to do this were violent, others were done for diplomacy, and then others were done through nonviolent moves. And the best example of that really is Gandhi's nonviolent movement, which was called Sutigraha. Why was it called Satyagraha? Satyagraha was a spiritual idea coming out of Hinduism. And Gandhi hoped that he could lead a nonviolent movement to eventually gain independence for India as a whole. Now, he succeeded in doing so. But at the very end of that movement, there was a big problem between the majority of Hindus and the minority of Muslims. Now, the minority of Muslims was led by a man named Muhammad Ali Jinnah. And their big fear was that once the British were gone, the majority of Hindus would dominate at that time. There's some good evidence that the British actually stoked that fear between Hindus and Muslims. But in the end, Muhammad Ali Jinnah was able to gain the creation of a country called Pakistan, still around today, up in the northern part of what used to be India. Now, eventually, Pakistan itself is going to break down into West Pakistan and East Pakistan. East Pakistan becomes Bangladesh today. So that was the case of India. Now, in that case, we had a nonviolent movement. In other parts of the world, we would have a more violent movement. A good example of that took place within the Middle East. So you might remember that with the mandate system, after the Ottoman Empire fell, the British and the French split up the Middle East. Now, in the midst of that, what the British promised on both sides was that there would be independence for both sides, both Jewish people and Muslims. In the end, what they ended up doing was really uh, pitting the two groups against each other because what was more important to the British and to the French were the oil within that particular area. Now, in 1948, the Jewish people declared a war for independence. Five Arab countries then attacked 
Jewish nation. And that led into a lot of the conflicts that we're still seeing today between the Jewish people and what today are called the Palestinians. Now, in other parts of the world, we're going to see other types of violent movements as well. For example, within Rwanda, uh, the Belgians had taken over Rwanda and they had established a group of people there to sort of do that independent management the people in the area, and they were called the Tutsis. The Tutsis were a creation of the Belgians, and the Belgians did it off of social Darwinism. They saw Tutsis as looking more like Europeans, and so they put them in charge over the Hutus and allowed them to be violent towards the Hutus. Now, 40, 50 years later, in the 1990s, once Rwanda gains its independence, the Hutus would take the revenge and create a genocide over the Tutsis uh, during that time period in the 1990s. Another good example that we can see of decolonization happened in South Africa. In South Africa, the Belgians had come down to South Africa in the 1800s and they'd colonized the area. And the group of the Belgians who came down into that area were Christians who believed they had found what they called the New Jerusalem. And in that area, they ended up having a war, a group of wars called the Boer Wars, uh, between themselves and the British over gold. Stuck in the middle of that, though, were the indigenous inhabitants of the area called the Zulu tribes. Now, in the end, the British won that war, but they barely won. And so they made an agreement with the Belgians. They said, hey, look, we get the gold, but you guys get to have a racial hierarchy and you can do whatever you want in this local area, which is exactly what they did. After World War II, they established a system of apartheid, which was intense segregation and utilization or manipulation of the local colored population. And the reason why I use that term is because not only were black South Africans used, but they also used people of color from India and from Southeast Asia as well for menial types of jobs. And that established apartheid for 50 years. Now, of course, the hero in that story was Nelson Mandela. Uh, Nelson Mandela started a nonviolent movement. He eventually turned to guerrilla warfare and he was imprisoned for that. In the 1980s, he was freed from prison after spending 27 years in prison. And he became president of South Africa and led them into their independence. Okay, that's it. I hope you guys will be ready for your final exam, and I hope this was helpful to get you ready for that. Don't forget that there is a review sheet as well as questions to help you out for the final exam. Good luck, and have a great summer.